0: Warning, this show may be unsuitable for young fillies, colts, and foals due to strong language prevalent in literally every episode, and some mild sexual innuendo. We will also touch on themes of racial relations, political climate, and other sensitive subjects, but we will let you know when those things come up. Hey pony, welcome to Equestria Gaze, a My Little Pony Rewatch podcast. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Equestria Gaze. I'm Anya, my pronouns are they, them, and you can find me on Twitter at aka Anya. I'm joined by my partner in life, love, and dad jokes, August.
1: Hi, I'm August. As always, I wave at the microphone uselessly. I use they, them pronouns, and you can find me on Twitter at Harbidora.
0: Each week, we'll be saddling in to rewatch an episode of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, to break apart what exactly the show is trying to say. The good, the bad, and the downright problematic. We figured it's 2020 and everything is happening so much, so why not watch some cartoons? This is the part where I ad-lib and tell you that, you know, I hadn't seen the show before now, although we had watched the episodes earlier this year. I'm bad at ad-libbing. That's (laughs) what I'm realizing right now. I hadn't seen it. It's weird that I hadn't seen it because uh, I loved horses growing up, but it's fine. Now I'm watching it and
1: knowing the joy. I'm sorry. There's no need to be sorry. I love you. Oh, and I got into Friendship is Magic when it first came out. I witnessed the genesis of the Brony fandom and eventually fell off the cart around season four, which is to say this isn't my first rodeo. So, this week we are back to happy episodes for a while here.
0: Like, there's a good stint of us having really good episodes to discuss. There's no racism, it's just really good. So, this week we'll be discussing season one, episode 10, Swarm of the Century. We start with Fluttershy gathering flowers for a visit from Princess Celestia when something Fluttershy has never seen before flies by. She offers it food, but it devours everything she has. Nevertheless, she adopts it and goes to show it to the main six. In Ponyville, Every pony is prepping for Celestia's visit, and when Fluttershy finds Twilight Sparkle and Pinkie Pie at Sugarcube Corner, the creature has mysteriously reproduced. Twilight adopts one, but Pinkie Pie is disgusted and leaves the bakery to find a trombone. Twilight visits Rarity and Rainbow Dash, giving each of them one of the Parasprites she now has, and the next day, things are terrible. Rainbow Dash is swarmed with Parasprites, Rarity is disgusted by the rep- reproduction— Fluttershy's swarm is out of control, and Twilight understands that this could ruin Celestia's visit. The ponies, sans Pinky, try to round up the sprites several times and drive them out of Ponyville. After successfully doing so, it's revealed that Fluttershy kept one, and it reproduced exponentially. During all of this, Pinky has been asking for various musical instruments and growing frustrated at the others brushing her off. The sprites descend on Ponyville, consuming all the edible things until Twilight casts a spell to make them not eat food. Instead, they eat everything else and cause mass destruction. Twilight asks for Zecora's help, but Zecora doesn't know how to fix this. Finally, Pinkie Pie comes to the rescue. She pied pipers the pair of sprites as a one-pony band, leading all the sprites out of Ponyville. Celestia arrives during this and says that she must cancel her visit to help a nearby town dealing with an infestation of sprites. Twilight gives her lesson in person, and the episode ends with Pinkie doing a sad trombone noise. So that was a long description, but, you know. A lot happened. Uh, A lot happened. This episode had a lot going on, but it was fun. And so we'll begin like we usually do, talking about the message that we think this episode is trying to give, like, at face value. So do you want to go first or do you want me to?
1: Uh, I can go first. Uh, my message to Phillies, Colts, and Foals is that sometimes people have reasons for acting in ways you find odd or undesirable. And my message is don't take wild animals from the
0: wilderness into your home. They belong in the wild. Cool.
1: I mean, yeah, that's a really good, uh, really good advice. Hey, Brian, don't actually try to adopt a raccoon. I mean, so raccoons can be
0: pets, but there's like a difference between having a raccoon as a pet that you intended to get as a pet and like picking a raccoon up off your porch and bringing it into your home.
1: Okay, but we both know which one Brian's going to do. That's fair.
0: Uh so that's I feel like I'm getting more and more like like reading into the meaning of these shows when it's supposed to be like the face value message. But you know what? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so that's like what we think the show is trying to say. And now we're gonna transition to like the main part of our show, which is the bridal meaning, and that's where we discuss all the rest. And usually this is where we get into a bunch of problematic discussions, but I am actually excited about this one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: This one is actually really fun. So um, I started off with my note about Fluttershy talking to her woodland friend bringing a dandelion. uh, And I said, rude Fluttershy, why are dandelions not good enough? What does this say about what Celestia deems appropriate or valuable? Because, like, you know, some people consider dandelions weeds, but dandelions have nutritional value. They can grow really well. And frankly, the dandelion puffs are pretty That's fair. I mean, they are weeds, so I can see that being, like,
0: the reason why. Um, I know nothing about if horses eat them, but...
1: Uh, Actually, as far as I know, they do not, because they don't like sour things, and dandelions raw can be very sour, so dandelion sandwiches, like the one Fluttershy ate uh, several episodes ago, uh, are actually a no-go. Oh, I feel like we talked about that and I've just forgotten it. I don't remember. But yeah, uh, no dandelions for these ponies. Well, one thing they do like uh, are apples and
0: uh, my reaction to Fluttershy just casually crushing that apple with her hoof is like, fucking Christ, Fluttershy, like how fucking strong? I guess she's a horse, but also like they're not really ever implied that they're very strong.
1: Yeah, and I mean, she's a Pegasus, so wouldn't she theoretically have, like, hollow bones? Ooh, is that a thing? I mean, I don't think that's anything ever touched upon in the show itself, but, you know, it's something that I think would be really cool to speculate about.
0: Is that, like, a lore thing? Like, Pegasuses have hollow bones in general?
1: I don't think so. It's just, you know, they have wings, birds have wings, birds have hollow bones, so maybe Pegasuses have hollow bones. Oh, okay. I didn't know if this was like a
0: common fact that I just never heard and was like, that's fucking weird.
1: Nah. Um, it's your bird lore. Yeah. So, um, my next note is uh when we transition to Twilight Sparkle, it's like, why does she treat Spike so poorly? Like she kind of treats him like an indentured servant, and it's just really off putting, although she does have a good point about there being nothing casual about a visit from God.
0: That's fair. But like at the same time, we see Celestia visiting constantly. So like, why is this visit different than all the other times Celestia has shown up and they weren't panicked?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just because like, we see her visit a lot because we're only cherry picking the things that are interesting when it comes to what's on the actual show and b it's like this is one of the first visits that she has since twilight moved there that's fair
0: yeah and i don't know my canon is that like this show takes place over like a huge time frame because like as you'll see soon we go from winter to like fall so quickly so like I, I feel like this show is showing us, like, maybe one day in every other month of these ponies' lives. hmm Then mm-hmm. there's just so much we don't see going on behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, exactly. But that still doesn't excuse Twilight from being so fucking rude to the townsfolk. Like, Jesus Christ, Twilight. But I guess this goes back to the fact that Twilight doesn't have a lot of social skills yet, because she's never really interacted with people much, so...
0: Yeah, she's still figuring it out, and like, I don't know, she she definitely comes off as a person who's like, not rude because she's being rude, but like, she's rude because it's like, this visit has to be perfect, and I'm hyper-obsessive, and mm-hmm. like, you're not doing it right, so I'm going to tell you exactly why and how you're not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I honestly can relate to, <laughs> so. Fair. Bless Twilight, you are me and I am you. <laughs> I guess I
1: could be convinced to ship Twilight Jack. Oh my god.
0: So uh my comment about like the one pony Twilight says is doing a good job was that pony that keeps watering the flowers, but also could a Pegasus pony not just like put a cloud over the flowers and have it rain on them? Like that pony is doing something utterly useless in the preparation of this.
1: Yeah. I think that so I think, like, if we're looking at it diegetically, it may be one of those things where every pony has to have a job. And so even though a pegasus could do that, she needed a job. But also, I believe that pony is one of the background ponies that gets kind of popular. I'm pretty sure she's Bon Bon. Oh. Who's a popular background pony. Um, I don't remember if this is the first time we see her, but I think this is the first time she has, like, sustained screen time.
0: Yeah, because, like, doesn't Twilight come back to her multiple times? She does. Yeah, so, like, there's so many background ponies that it's hard to tell which ones are important until, like, they suddenly are.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if uh she ever, like, gets important, but it's just one of those things, like, she is a recurring background pony that got popular, and there's a popularship with her and uh a lot of head cannons and stuff involved, so. Okay. Well, I mean, that helps cleared up a little bit yeah <laughs> anyway anyway so my next uh note is about when Pinkie pie and everybody else are in sugarcube corner she i think it was Pinkie pie herself but it may have been uh one of the other ponies there do talk about a king and queen um and so it's interesting that the ponies do have a concept of king and queen but god is a princess and like I know the reason for that is marketing because young girls are princesses not queens but it's mm-hmm. still it's still very interesting the way that princess is elevated so highly above what we would consider like ultimate rulers basically
0: Right like Celestia for all intents and purposes is basically the queen and her sister is the princess pretty much Like they're supposed to share power equally but it's pretty clear who like makes the calls in that relationship. Mm-hmm. But, like, if they have princesses... Yeah. ...they have to have a queen,
1: right? Like... You'd think that. But the other thing that honestly made me sad, because I continue to be a member of the Fluttershy defense squad, is Fluttershy, like, is really timid about approaching her friends, and it's just like, why does she have to feel that way? Why have these ponies made her feel like she can't approach them?
0: I mean, looking at the history, it would definitely make sense why. And, like, I guess we're still supposed to be pretty early into their friendship at this point. Mm -hmm. So, like, they're still figuring out their friendship. Yeah. But, yeah, it's hard to tell if this instance is, like, a reflection of just Fluttershy's uh, anxiety or a reflection of the way she's been treated.
2: Mhm. Mhm.
0: I have a question about how Pinky is the only pony in town who's heard of these things before. Like she immediately freaks out and everyone else is like, "I don't know what the fuck these are." Like y'all been living in the same place.
1: Yeah, it I don't know. I think part of it is uh related to something I mentioned uh later um just because like Pinky Bye has been very two dimensional up until this point, you know, the LOL, RAR, so random, oo XD kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think this is primarily an effort to give her more to do. And also, given the events in, like, Feeling Pinky Keen, where we find out she has kind of, like, precognitive powers anyway, it kind of makes sense that she knows about this because it's kind of a random thing and, like, she has a history of being able to tell what's going on in ways that the other ponies can't. Mm-hmm.
0: When you'd think, like, something that causes this much chaos would uh, appeal to Pinky, the god of chaos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yet, she's the one disgusted by them.
1: Well, I mean, it could also be that she doesn't like threats to her chaotic throne.
2: hmm <laughs> hmm
1: the Paris Brides are a threat. She's secretly a conniving queen of chaos. Jesus Christ. I don't believe that, but it's fun to say. That's fair. But honestly, like, this whole episode would have been solved if Pinky had been more th- more forthcoming. Because, like, I know that the others are supposed to learn to listen to her, but she barely actually says anything. She just makes demands and doesn't say, hey, I have this information that you need. And so, like, the show is trying to present it as the other ponies need to reach out to her, but at the same time, it's like, the narrative doesn't go hard enough on Pinkie Pie for being communicative.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely another lesson to be learned here from, like, communication in how, like, Pinkie is just immediately like, oh, those things are gross, I need a trombone, and everyone's like, okay, And then she's later upset that they're not listening to her. But, like, all she's doing is saying, I need musical instruments. She never stops to say, like, hey, these things are actually a problem. And, like, here is what we can do to fix it. But, like, that's also not in Pinkie Pie's character. So I guess that makes sense. But I also feel like it's serving as sort of, like, an additional, like, bonus message Mm -hmm. of, like, communicate better your friends should listen to you and also like you should communicate what you're thinking and feeling to your friends Mm -hmm. don't saddle the burden Mm -hmm. all on your own shoulders (laughs) that's the best i got for it uh (laughs) so like i'm not sure what my next note is oh okay yeah i'm okay so i uh my next note is that we're just going to ignore this growing problem and not question it when like They notice that there are more and more of these sprites, like Fluttershy is like, huh, I only had one, and now there's two. Oh, well, do you want one? And then Twilight's like, oh, wow, mine reproduced really quickly, too. Oh, well, do you all want one? It's like, guys, there were warning signs here. (laughs) Yeah,
1: although it is fun to note that evidently in some interview, Lauren Faust mentioned that as they were writing this episode, she noticed the, like, connection between the parasprites and the Tribbles in star Mm -hmm. trek uh tos and yeah there's definitely connection there yeah and so they decided to lean really hard on it uh so that's actually a star trek callback too okay so
0: like the ignoring the growing problem where they like just like they're cute though it's a joy to have them around Uh nothing bad will happen Uh
1: uh-huh uh-huh That's
0: fair, I guess. I I can appreciate that reference. (laughs) Yeah. I honestly, like, I would have assumed this episode going in was a reference to that whole thing because it's so identical. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they didn't notice until afterwards, like, it's like, wait, this is kind of similar to that one thing is kind of funny.
1: Well, I mean, it wasn't until afterwards. It was during the writing process, they realized and then decided to lean into it. Mm hmm. But yeah, it's just a fun tidbit of trivia. Um, I picked it up from the My Little Pony wiki. It's uh, very fun. That's cute. Um, My next note is about Spike trying
0: to help and being treated like he's not, but I can't remember exactly when that happened.
1: Uh, When he's like, I think it's about uh, him like trying to help in the library and find a book. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a reoccurring theme with Spike. And maybe it's because like, they're hinting at some later growth in his character or something to, like, stand up for himself or, like, better, mm-hmm. like, be more involved in this story. But, yeah, in the early episodes, anytime he does try to help, he's just treated like, like, Spike, quit fucking around. Like, I'm trying to help you. hmm Yeah. But I don't know if it's also, like, we don't see any of Twilight and Spike's relationship before this, so it may have just always been like that between them, so that's why Spike doesn't really react too much to it. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, this is just how Twilight is.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, like, Spike is written kind of shitty a lot of the time, but he doesn't deserve this. He's a kid.
0: Yeah, like, teenagers aren't always great. <laughs> so, like, it's understandable that sometimes Spike's character is frustrating and makes mistakes, because, like, teenagers make mistakes.
1: Yeah. Um. The next note I have, I said, uh, Celestia can raise the sun and moon. Get a grip, Twilight. And I think uh, Twilight had, like, a little aside where she was not fantasizing, but imagining, like, the Parasprites flying Celestia off into yeah. the distance. <laughs> and it's just, like, I feel like we've established that Celestia is pretty close to all-knowing, but not an all-powerful god yeah but at the same time she still is able to do some pretty major feats of magic i don't think parasprites sprites are a real threat to her especially because she has to go help the other town later so
0: it is interesting like celestia's shifting role though because like at some point she is kind of a damsel in distress where it's like i need you six to go solve this problem i cannot do it mm-hmm. for i am royalty yeah So, like, and I I know later we get into more of why she lets Twilight take the lead and, like, the important role that Celestia plays in, like, Twilight's development. But in the beginning, it really does read as, like, Celestia is just a damsel in distress, and that's clearly how Twilight views her.
1: Yeah. Which is interesting, because we haven't really seen, other than uh, the incident with Nightmare Moon before this, we haven't really seen uh, Celestia actually be in a damsel situation. So. It's interesting that Twilight thinks of her in this fashion.
0: That's true. Um, We haven't really gotten much Celestia character growth at this point, but I think it's mostly been focused on the main six currently. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense why we haven't seen much of Celestia. Like, she's not the main characters of this show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, my next note has no substance or anything. (laughs) It's just that's how babies are made, Rarity, because... You know, when a mommy and a daddy uh, love each other very much, one of them coughs up a newborn. Yeah.
1: They just spit it up. Yep. I'm sure there's a fanfic trope in there somewhere. I don't like that. <laughs> Rule 34, baby. Rude. Yeah. Um, My <laughs> next note is, as Applejack is trying to round up the sprites, I really thought it was cool that she thought to also have Rainbow Dash and Fluttershy helping her herd from above, because Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times characters and just even, like, people don't always think in three dimensions, so it's cool to see that the writers uh, had enough wherewithal and spatial awareness to think of that. Right, like,
0: these things can clearly fly, so... (laughs) what would make them stay on the ground
1: yeah exactly and even though i find that part really neat uh this is another push your problems elsewhere situation that just kind of frustrates me
0: it's fair i mean like they almost did it too like yeah i don't know i have a note about that later but
1: yeah yeah and my met- next note, I don't remember who Applejack was being rude to, but just Applejack was being a rude girl. And even though she was right, that's not a good way to act towards your friends, AJ. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like,
0: I don't know. My
1: my frustration with
0: Fluttershy in this one, like, why would you keep one? You know the problem. And like, they the thing is, like, If they had just solved it then and there, I know Pinkie Pie's role would have been completely pointless. But also, like, maybe it would have served as a lesson to her to be like, communicate better. (laughs) But also, like, why would you do that, Fluttershy?
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of get that it demonstrates her weakness in character. And as far as, like, when it comes to forest animals, she has some problems. But mm-hmm. yeah, it is very frustrating. It's a kind. It feels like a kind of shoehorned way to get the episode a little bit longer, so Pinkie Pie can save the day. Hmm. Well, like I know they
0: have to try something, and it has to fail, so that way they can rely on Pinkie Pie. But like, they could have tried something, and it just failed. Yeah. Because like Applejack's solution was gonna work. It wasn't, like, in the end, like, the solution that they were supposed to use, supposedly, but, like, it was gonna work. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Also, in regards to Twilight's problem-solving by switching, like, their desire for food off, that's a casual spell she just knows. Like, that's a very powerful spell she just casually knows. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yeah, I can make you no longer interested in food you're scary, and I don't know if I want to be your friend anymore. <laughs>
1: yeah, and she did it on potentially hundreds, if not thousands, of individual creatures. Like, that
0: that has some powerful ramifications. Like, don't piss Twilight off. She'll, uh...
1: She can cause you some serious harm. <laughs> yeah. Um. Although, my next note is that the barn getting eaten by the Parasprites is an A-plus visual gag.
0: Right. Like fucking uh, Applejack just like, all right, I didn't expect that because uh, we hadn't seen her in this episode up until then. She's like, all right, it's on now. Mm-hmm,
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was very good. But um, I did get a little frustrated because it's like, of course, go to the mystical black person to have her save you from your problem and your ignorance. But it was kind of nice to not have that be the solution. So that's
0: fair. And I don't know if they were intending to be like that as the like racist trope and more just like look, they trust Zakora now. But also I really appreciate Zakora's response being like you're fucked. Don't bring your problem to me. Yeah, exactly. Like like remember when you all were like racist against me one episode ago? Fuck you. I'm going to close my doors now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that was also uh, pretty good. Like, go Zekora. Um Enforce yeah. your boundaries.
0: But also, I feel like it ha- definitely has to do with, like, keeping Zakora as a consistent character and, like, showing that the ponies now, like, recognize her skills as valuable instead of scary. hmm So, like, they're willing, or they're more, like, ready to go to her. hmm So, I don't know. That's That's what I read that as. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's I feel like that's a good read, too. It's just, it treads really close to the mystical black person. So, Oh, well, that's fair. Yeah. But I think that's just because of how Zakura's character in general is set up. Yeah. The next thing, um, I had kind of like two parts to my next note, but we kind of already litigated one part of it. So um, I'm crossing that out. But I do really enjoy how Pinkie Pie is portrayed as being competent and knowing what she's doing, because that is kind of, uh, I wouldn't say a hard swerve, but it's a little bit of a change from the way that she's been portrayed up until this point. So mm-hmm. like her randomness is a gag until now. Yeah, I I like it a lot now. Like, I like her a lot better in this episode and going forward. That's fair. I like, she definitely has a purpose and a
0: goal, and she's going for it, which is so different from her usual, her usual portrayal.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think we
0: keep touching on this. Uh, like, how has no one heard of these things other than Pinky and Zakora? Pinky, who's like, you gotta play music, and Zakora's who, who's like, you're doomed like leave me alone yeah i do not want this problem
1: <laughs> yeah and it's like like we said earlier celestia is largely portrayed as omniscient and uh how does she not know about sprites, like what's so special about them that they are a blind spot even to god
0: Right, because she doesn't even say, like, she admires them walking by with Pinky, just like, oh, a little parade, cute. Well, I've got to go off to this other place that's having an infestation, and, like, the implication there is that someone else is having a Parasprite infestation, right?
1: Yeah, and with the implication is it's the Parasprites that they actually managed to herd away. Yeah, so they fucking traveled fast. Yeah. Uh Travel makes no sense in uh, this fucking universe. I still, like, Izzy, thank you, has posted a map of Equestria in uh, the Discord, but it still makes no fucking sense.
0: Yeah, like, how the hell did they get to Philadelphia? Philly, God, that that town is not easy for me to say. Um, How did they get there so fast? They just herded them out, like, a few minutes ago.
1: Yeah, it's... It's really weird, but it is also kind of nice to see that there are some consequences for foisting your problems off to somebody else, but uh, it's also not well executed. It doesn't really kind of like nail home that this is their fault and there are consequences. It's just kind of mild and it's honestly just a gag, I think.
0: I mean, if anything, they're rewarded for voicing their problems off because now they don't have to, like, show Celestia the ruined town. Yeah. They just, like, they get a freebie on this one, basically. Like, oh, well, I have to go. I can't see the ruined town behind you, I guess. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. So, if anything, they were rewarded for it.
1: Yeah. Although, like, that could also just be Celestia knowing that the town is ruined and not wanting to embarrass Twilight. That's fair,
0: because she, like, ultimately does have Twilight's best interest at heart. And despite Twilight being like, like, God is hard on me and she's going to be so disappointed. Celestia's just like, bitch, if you need help, tell me. I see your town's destroyed. Like, all right, I'm not going to point this out because she'll be really self-conscious of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So <laughs> I do like uh, Twilight. Like, at the end, Celestia, like, you can give your report in person, and Celestia being like, haven't you learned anything about friendship? Just like, damn! (laughs) God just like, you better fucking give me a report right now.
1: (laughs) Well, we do know from future episodes that Celestia is kind of a troll, and she does kind of like, even though she does have Twilight's best interest at heart, she does have a tendency to tease or put her on the spot uh for the sake of her own amusement yeah honestly
0: i read her as a little socially awkward which is hilarious because she's god but like just like she doesn't realize what she's saying is uh can be construed any way other than like i'm making a funny joke haha
1: well i mean that could also just be because there aren't a whole lot of people who are Quasi-appears to her that she can interact with. As far as we've seen right now, uh, we've got Princess Luna, who was gone for, like, a thousand years. Uh, We know of Princess Cadence. Uh, There may be other princesses in later seasons, but since, like, I dropped off around season four, I'm not 100% sure, and that's, like, where we're watching right now, so...
0: Yeah. I mean, it is funny, because it does, like, show... Like, Celestia is this royalty and fancy, but she also just wants someone to joke around with. Like, everyone treats her with baby gloves when she's around, and she just wants to be a prankster.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: It's kind of cute and a little sad.
1: <laughs> yeah. And my final note is, uh, I like Panky Pie breaking the fourth wall for the sad trombone noise. That was just, that was also a really nice touch that's fair.
0: Uh anytime I think about breaking the fourth wall it's always Pinky now who has grown on me so much as a character. I I wasn't crazy about that character because as you said earlier she was in the early episodes really portrayed as like the wow so random ooh, rar Yeah. Which like I understand that they had to develop it farther than that. Like you can't just keep that going forever. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, she's really grown on me as a character, and the more that I consider her as the god of chaos, uh, the
1: more I like her. Yeah. I mean, that's just such a fun headcanon, and it's just really fun to play with in my mind, so. <laughs> I like
0: it. I'm glad that you introduced
1: me to that canon, because I I now believe it. I'm here for it. Yeah, she's a descendant of Loki by way of Slepnir. Jesus Christ. Listen. I'm listening. It's a good head headcanon.
0: <laughs> so anyway. Anyway. <laughs> the last part of this is where we talk about our own main events, which is where we each kind of pick something that we want to draw attention to from the episode. So I've chosen Applejack just showing up to a complete mess and just like, all right, here's exactly what we'll do to fix that is a mood for anyone who's ever worked retail. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just clock in and it's like the store's on fire, like, all right, it must be a Tuesday. Time to time to get my apron on and go to work.
1: Yep. Yep. I've had those days.
0: I had to wear aprons for one of my jobs. I don't know. For some reason when I think of retail, I think of definitely my experience at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Even though I've had more than just that, it's that is the experience I think of.
1: Yeah. I always think of my experience at Walmart, so that's fair.
0: That's a pretty notable one.
1: Yeah. Uh, and my main event, I've talked about it a bunch already, but I just love the way that the show subverts Pinkie Pie's so random persona and how it does a good job of making her a competent character.
0: It's true. This episode,
1: like we know for the first
0: season, like each episode kind of focuses on a different pony Like, they each get their chance to take the shining role and Twilight learns from them, which is a really good setup for the first season, I think. Mm -hmm. And, like, this episode did a lot to really develop Pinky beyond what we think of her.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I love this episode.
0: I I like a lot of the upcoming episodes and I'm really excited about them. And we get
1: more catchy songs. It's very good. I'm very excited to be past bridal gossip. It's true. So, yeah, that was our episode for the week all right well uh we're going to end each week with a horse fact this is a random piece of horse trivia that we found online that may or may not be true we're assuming it's true because the internet would never lie this week's horse fact is the first cloned horse was a halfinger mare in italy in 2003 if you have any fun horse facts you want us to include in the show, send them to us on Twitter at Equestria Gaze and we'll give you a shout-out. Until next time, stay cool, every pony, and remember, Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, and wear your fucking mask. Do it.
2: I'll fight you. Clip-clop, 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 clip-clop. <laughs>
1: Why are you... What? I was going to say I love you.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you said hello. I was like, what? No. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Oh, my God. Get off this podcast. I'll do it myself. Okay.
2: (laughs) No, don't.
1: (laughs) Uh. Okay. I'm stopping recording. Wait, no. Have you stopped? No. No. Okay, let's do... Because we botched the first one, let's do another clap real quick. Valid. Um, 20? No, that's too soon. 25. Time dot is isn't loading for me, hang on. Never mind. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Let me know when it's loaded. Oh no! Why is it not loading? Do you have internet? I mean,
1: obviously, I'm still talking to you. Look, weirder things have happened. Yeah. Okay, let's not worry about it uh are you sure yeah it'll be fine we can just
0: we'll just pick a random place to clap just like clap when you feel like it
1: <laughs> 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 i felt like it okay well i'm feeling like it okay
0: we're boom. good boom goodbye pony. <laughs> i'm stopping thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show, please rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Tell your friends about us, or tweet about us using the Equestria Gaze hashtag. We're also a member of Standing Stones Productions, a nonprofit podcasting guild. Some of our other shows include Follow the Leader and The Room Where It Happened, two TTRPG actual play shows, and The Escafil Files, a podcast where two of our friends read and talk about the Animorph series. You can find out more about all of our projects at stonesunderscorestanding on Twitter. Unfortunately, Standing Stones was already taken. Anyway, your support means a lot. Thanks again for listening.